You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and I'm joined with a very sassy Mike today. I am not even being sassy. He's totally being sassy it's and salty. Been, it's been a... a been an interesting day at the shop we'll just say that um <clears throat> anyway tonight we don't really have a topic of focus so once again we are going to kind of just ramble a little bit and see kind of what comes up i like to think that even when we have these uh rambling episodes where we kind of just just you know just kind of just you know just talk that we still present some good information at least that's what i'm hearing from some of our listeners so well, i um, I think we do too, and it's it's kind of one of those things where you can only cover so many subjects before you're like, okay, when do we repeat? Well, I mean, there's lots of stuff out there, but yes, that, that is something to consider, and we will actually, some of what we're going to be talking about, or one of the things I want to talk about tonight, might actually sound, <clears throat> excuse me, sound like a little bit of, of a repeat of information from an earlier episode, but... Um, but I think it's a fair topic because it can be a very complicated one. I think it's a fair topic for us to revisit. We were asked to discuss this uh, by uh, one of our listeners um, a few weeks ago, actually. And um, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been kind of sitting on this for a minute because I, I was trying to figure out a way to present this information in greater depth. Um, and I really, I just couldn't figure out how to do that because it's just such a broad topic and you know and it really to be honest is a discussion that really is uh we'll just say this format is really probably not the best for this talk um <clears throat> you need like a like a, a book and a, and a team of academics and theologians and philosophers and shit to get together in a room and have this conversation but we're gonna try um so along those lines i want to talk about the origins of the gods okay and again and i can't remember i think it was like episode 15 I think where we kind of talked about this, it might have, I think it goes, it's further It was a later back. episode, yeah. A later episode? Yeah, it, it was you know, not. Like an earlier episode? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, so let's talk about this, because we did discuss, like, basically kind of the origin story of the universe was really kind of the, the focus for that particular talk, but we did mention gods. And um, the, 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 the user, oh my god, jeez, I'm so sorry, the listener... <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I guess I'm working in IT now. Um, the listener asked us to kind of talk about some of the different ideas, um, you know, and so so let's dive in. So I, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was this concept, this theme that we see uh, in, oh my God, like every, basically every, every culture, every tradition, every spirituality that has deities, that has gods, um, all of them have this concept, this story, this idea of the creation, right? And in the context of the gods, what we're really talking about then is we're talking about the primary creator god, mm -hmm. right? Like the primary or primordial god force, right? You know, and there are so many different pantheons that have a figure like that, right? Um, some of them more than one, right? You have, uh, you know, uh, pantheons and, and, and traditions that have, you know, kind of this concept of like a divine masculine and a divine feminine that work together to kind of create everything else. But where the hell did those two come from, right? Mm -hmm. Something created them. Um, though we also have an understanding now, and, and of course, again, all of this is just philosophy and theory, right? Because these are things we never really can know. And if anybody tells you that they know for sure that this is what's happened, that person is a crazy person and a liar, and you need to run away from them. Um, but, but we talk about things like... Um, you know, a creator god, you know, or creator gods, you know, and then we talk about like, well, who created them, right? And then, and then we see, 
I think this thing, and this is not a new belief or a new idea, but this idea that gods, because of their, their inherent nature, they are self-creating, that they create or have created themselves. And then through that process of, of additional or through that creative power, they then go on to create other things, mm-hmm. right? And so It's I, almost like <clears throat> a, a particular pull or facet of energy gains consciousness. Yeah. And then grows to be bigger yes. than what we would see as an egregore, rather. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about egregores tonight, too, because I think a lot of people are... There's a lot of confusion around that, and I, I want to say... We, we, we both know, and, and, and it's it's good to clarify, egregores are not gods. No, they are not. Um, so let's we'll talk about egregores a little bit later. Um, but So we see, again, going back to the beginnings, or we see this concept of a primordial god force and that initial source of creation not only is it potentially well obviously creating itself right through whatever mechanism right you talked about energy uh coalescing and gathering and then being set to vibration given force through consciousness consciousness which then breeds intelligence or sentience then intelligence right you know, and then through that we see this expansion of power that then gives these beings the ability to then yes. continue to create. Yes, Mike. Right. Mike took my very, very luministic terms and turned them into very big terms because. No, you're good. He's um, very smart. No, you're. Yeah. Uh, eh. Anyway, so so we we see that as one uh, theme that pops up again and again. Okay. Now we have, as, I think humans have evolved to a point, to begin to question these things you know divine origin these kinds of things a bit more in the last you know couple millennia or so right we we start to see then this other idea this other thing popping up around okay well yes there was probably a primordial god force right um but when we look at what happens later down the line, then we have to kind of start to, then we see other theories at play, right? And I guess what I'm talking about is we see ideas around, say, like Kronos, okay, as one example, right? Kronos, who recognizes a Titan in Hellenistic practices, right? Um, who then, through his own creative power, created the Olympian gods, mm-hmm. right? So we see kind of, again, this concept of a god force, not a soul god force necessarily, but a, a god force, who then, through their power, is able to create secondary gods. Mm-hmm. Who then, through their own power, create tertiary gods, right? And so on and so on and so on, right? Um, so we see that as another one of these things. And so you look now at um, what would, in essence, really basically just be uh, the gods begetting other gods, right? Which is, I think, certainly plausible when you look at the way that every other sort of life form reproduces right Mm -hmm. like we you know that's what we do right humans we get together we you know bada bing bada boom and you got a baby right um you know and in this situation (laughs) you just happen to have a baby that would also have godlike power right Mm -hmm. um you know and again i realize it's a very simplistic way to put it but um you know but that's really that's one of the conversations that that people are having and i know gods that beget gods right to counter that we also see this idea that it is through our belief, through human belief, and the desire to, who knows, explain the way that the world works, right? Through our belief that we then are able to create a god, 
right? Which brings us back to the concept of an egregore, right? So would you explain, Austin, what, what, what really, what is the difference, the defining thing between what distinguishes a god from an egregore? Egregores are created by humans, gods are not. Okay. That's, that's the easiest way to do it. An egregore, an egregore is something that a lot of people know about, and I might upset a little bit of people here, but uh, Medusa. Medusa is an egregore. The energy you're working with when you call up that spirit of Medusa is an egregore. Medusa was not a goddess. Medusa was not a titaness. Medusa was not anything other than a mortal woman who was a priestess. Mm -hmm. And so the story that centers around Medusa with female empowerment and stuff like that, that in of itself is an egregore that is empowered and created by individuals. Okay. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's right. not necessarily a bad thing, no. But they are not gods. Because <clears throat> okay. the gods will be around way after we are, we are gone. So it would be safe to say that though we as humans, depending on our belief, mm -hmm. if we are deistic mm -hmm. or theistic, whatever the, you know, whatever the, sorry, it's been a day and my brain is, is, is in and out. Anyway, if we believe in gods mm -hmm. and the influence of gods in, in our lives and in, in the way that our world works, would it be fair to say that as humans, we, we kind of, we need gods, but the gods don't necessarily need us? I would go as far as to say no to that because okay. we don't necessarily need the gods and the gods don't necessarily need us. Okay. You know, um, the gods are going to do what the gods are going to do and humans are going to do what humans are going to do. And when you start working with a deity, that's when those things start to interchange and you see things like they need us or we need them in order to reach XYZ goal. Okay. Well, okay. Okay, so I guess maybe maybe I, let me let me clarify my prior question. Okay, so it's not to say that I guess here's my position, okay, or here's, here's my take on that. I get to clarify what I said, okay. It's really not a relationship based on need, right? But if we as humans put faith in our gods to have at least whatever influence that they may over mm -hmm. our physical world and the events that happen around us, if we believe that those gods have any influence around any of that, in some sense that does kind of put us in a position to need, or maybe not to really, maybe to rely on the assistance of those spirits. Whereas gods in and of themselves have the power or they are somewhat kind of on a different level mm -hmm. of existence where they are not reliant on us to dictate the flow of their existence. That's a, maybe a clearer way to put that, or to kind of kind of express what I meant by that. Yes, I I'll, I I will agree with that. But then there's also this part of me that because I'm a witch, mm -hmm. I I don't need a god to make my spell work. Yeah. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about just just the the, the simple things in life, you know. And I guess in in looking at that, it would probably be fair to say that this this really would be the perspective, say, more of like a maybe like say someone like maybe like a few hundred years ago. Right. Okay. With with, you know, with, you know, things like the advances of, of science, things like that. You know, of course, we as humans, we have a deeper understanding of our world. Now we know how things work. We know, you know, more and more. Right. Or we more and more we think we do. And, um, you know, but so but but say looking at more like primitive man. OK. Right. Yes. That's I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, you know, because yes, we're talking about the origin of these things. Right. <clears throat> so 
So, okay, so touching back upon that, though, okay, so what's your take on the different being, beings that we would identify as gods? One, coming into power to begin with as, you know, be, being identified or ascending to the level of godhood, and then beyond that, to su sustaining that level of power through human faith and belief. What is your take on that? I believe that there are certain things that we do that will help to empower those gods. Okay. So example, the deep non with Hecate, that is something that is utilized to honor her, but it also is, is a form of empowerment for her. You're acknowledging the power that she has. The difference is that we acknowledge their power and then we kind of like go about our day. The gods don't necessarily need the acknowledgement of our power, uh, of their power, I don't think. You know, mm -hmm. like, Hecate doesn't necessarily need us to, like, acknowledge that she kind of makes this will turn. Yeah. She doesn't need that. The fact that we acknowledge it helps us access those mysteries okay. that we work with and continue to focus on as witches. Um, but it's not necessarily needed. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so what about... Um, I mean, because I agree with you. It's not. It's never been my experience in communicating with different deities over the years um, and having not just personal conversations with those deities, but also, like, we've had different spirits or deities, different gods come through in different manner over mm -hmm. the years. Like, they come through, we've had them pop up in the middle of seances. Like, we've had, mm -hmm. you know, um, we've had, you know, experiences and, and direct communication in a lot of different ways. Um, as a group, I mean, not you know, this isn't just me talking, you know. Um, but what um, it's it's never really been expressed, or I've never really felt or seen anything that would confirm to me that the gods were reliant upon our belief for their basically their existence and their yeah. and their power. You know, I think that's one of the things I think that um, say okay, so like uh, what is it? American Gods, mm -hmm. right? You know, I I, I love that book. The television show was kind of eh for me, um, but I love the I love the book. You know, I'm a Neil Gaiman fan, um, but that's one of the premises in that book, right? He talks a lot about how the, a lot of the old gods are disappearing; they're diminishing because people don't believe in them anymore. People believe in the new gods, like technology and internet and these kinds of things, right? Media, you know, these kinds of things. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but that's not been my experience. It has not been my experience that that gods die because we stop believing in them. I, I, I agree with that. I believe... Let's think of it this way. And this is, this is kind of how I see it. And people can agree or disagree, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. The gods don't need us. Us directing our energy, power, and veneration towards them is obviously going to... Obviously going to increase their power. You know? If we think about it in terms very humanistically... I knew that I could do Madam Butterfly because I had a huge group of people around me saying like, no, you have this, you got this, you can do this, I believe you can do this. So though I knew I could do it myself, having that extra energy behind me of like, no, you got this, you can do this, you're good. That was kind of a little extra oomph I needed. Okay. Uh, whereas if I were just doing it on my own, I still would have done it, but I wouldn't have nearly been as confident i don't think okay. or as sure of myself and so i i kind of see that with the gods where it's nice that you acknowledge 
that this is my job and this is what I'm doing and that you work here and and like I'm glad that you acknowledge that but I'm going to continue to do this whether or not believe I whether or not you believe I'm doing it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, this one I think we're we're, we're basically we're just kind of repeating the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what about this as, as a slightly different take on kind of that same premise though? Okay, so we know uh, historically mm-hmm. uh, through you know folklore, mythology, these kinds of things in many different cultures, we know that there are, have been a lot of situations where something that if you look at the um, you know like kind of the history around something, you know, we know that. Um, there's been this situation where we see something as simple as, say, like a nature spirit, mm-hmm. uh, a genus loci of some sort, through consistent maybe worship and attention. We've seen over the years how those kinds of spirits have been kind of elevated to the level of godhood. And I don't mean that that's become, because they become gods. I mean that that is based entirely on the belief of the humans in that situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, well, if you think of something like that, it is an energy construct. Mm-hmm. Everything is energy, right? And so, well, I'm not talking egregores here. I'm talking like these are spirits. No, that that's already what I'm saying. Exist like in their own right, they already exi- <clears throat> like the genus loci exists in their own right. Okay. And so, when veneration and worship is directed toward that, you are directing energy towards this other entity that probably knows how to consume and utilize said energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because of that, they're going to have more abundance of energy to work with therefore creating more power okay but that still wouldn't necessarily qualify them as a god no though their power could seem godlike but i think what defines a god or a goddess Mm -hmm. is the ability to give life and take it away okay um and not just give life and take it away i mean give life birth that life into all of existence for everyone to know about and take it away to the point where no one even knew it existed in the first place yeah i think that is the hallmark of a god okay whereas something that would have godlike powers could wipe and destroy things and and create yes most definitely but not necessarily life you know, a genus loci is not going to be able to breathe life into clay and bring it to life. Okay. <clears throat> okay. All right. Yeah. Am I making sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So, so once again, to kind of revisit this, so we've got, so we've got the concept of, uh, of primordial god force creating itself. Right. We've got beyond that the idea that primary god or primordial gods then. Um, go on to create other things, including secondary gods, mm-hmm. right? Um, which are uh, then on their own able to also create, right? Given given their, their influence, mm-hmm. right? Um, we understand that, of course, egregores and thought forms, not gods. Okay, they can seem very similar, right? And I think a lot of people, would you say, would you say it would be fair, and this is again a little bit of a tangent here, but would you say it's fair to look at many of the contemporary uh, religions. Uh, and I say religions primarily because I tend to see this happening a bit more in Abrahamic faith mm-hmm. um, than in paganistic faith, mainly because I think that if you look at a lot of paganistic faith, there's a lot of 
a basis there's a lot of historical and archaeological evidence that confirms the worship of those spirits mm -hmm. whereas so much of what we have for the christian god okay and i'm not talking i'm not talking like old school like canaanites ugaritic kinds of gods because there there's there's archaeological evidence for those pantheons mm -hmm. but the god that many christian people would pay, pray to today the only thing that we've got that says that God exists is their Bible. And mm -hmm. we know that that's bullshit. It's been translated and translated and cut down and added to and translated so many fucking times mm -hmm. that that book doesn't mean half of what people think it does. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so would it be fair to say that a lot of the people in organized religion these days are actually giving their devotion to egregores yes. of their own creation? Rather mm -hmm. than an actual god, mm -hmm. well, they're giving their 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 energy, their focus, and their power to an egregore of their own creation, but also to the egregore of a business. Yeah, basically, like the church, because yeah. the church itself is an egregore. Yeah, whether that is the Roman Catholic Church, whether that is the new uh, super mega church, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever, they are giving their energy to that, and thus the people in power there. Yeah. Because they believe that the individual who leads them speaks for God directly. Yeah, and that's kind of unfortunate. You know, I, we've talked about this before on the, on the on the podcast, and I I feel badly for people like that. You know, I know that um, people who are people who are caught up in religion, you know, and they allow that to influence them in such a way. You know, I, I always feel a little bad for those people, and it's not when I say that I don't mean that to sound like a. You know, I don't mean that to sound maybe the way that it may sound or that people might take that. It's not it. What it is is I think there's a part of me that on, on a lower level or a deeper level, I should say, understands that those people are giving their life up, in essence, because that's what they all do and what they plan on doing, right? That's what they think their afterlife is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but they're, So they're basically, they're sacrificing themselves in their lives and ultimately committing themselves to live lives of fear and shame and guilt and all these other horrible things, right? Um, and they're doing all of that for a spirit that doesn't give a shit about them because mm -hmm. egregores are only interested in what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. Egregores are never really going to do anything or give you anything that is going to really truly be up to your value because it's all about sustaining themselves. Yep. Whereas gods are like, you know, they have the ability to create in a true sense. You know, egregores I find are very good at illusion. And they're very good at altering perceptions. Mm -hmm. And they're very good, I think, at making minor changes to very mundane, day-to-day -day kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, but it does take a, a true God to really to work a miracle for you. Yes. Um, and so it's sad to me to see people do that. I'm like, I'm like, it's like, it's like to me, it's one of the, an example of one of the most abusive types of relationships. So like you are giving everything including your up to and including your life and living a miserable life before that you know to a, to a spirit that doesn't give a shit mm -hmm. you know um and so and i feel badly for that like i i see that and that's one of those things that kind of makes me feel like i should feel pity for you as a christian you know uh but i can't because they all do horrible things right in mm -hmm. the name of their bullshit egregores so <clears throat> anyway so so back to that so we see these other ideas about how gods can kind of um, originate within human belief, right? But once again, those are not necessarily gods, right? Mm -hmm. They, they. Yeah, I would it, again. I'm going to ask you just to clarify that statement. Can humans? Can we create a god? No. It yeah. takes a god to create a god. We yeah. can create an egregore or a servitor, but no, we cannot create a god. We're not gods. Yeah. Okay. 
Though, depending on your tradition, you might believe that you are descended from them. Oh, I'm I'm not even going to entertain that. I am so sick this week, you know, uh, uh, just, just this week, of having interactions with people that are all about, well, I'm a descendant of this god. It's like, the fuck you are. That's not possible, one. Okay, I'm also sick of the whole god-spousal thing. I am so tired of that discussion. And I'm not even trying to say that the god-spousal thing doesn't have some legitimacy in particular practices, because the, there are records that do indicate that that was very much a thing in Nuns. some cultures. Exactly. Nuns. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, it happens. But, in, but this is a thing. But that's not what people think it is. No. No. There are people who hop on this God-spousing train, and they don't understand. They don't understand what comes with it. It's not just, oh, this God shows up sometimes, and da-da-da. No, like, your life changes. You are devoted to that god that god you can't be god spoused to five different 16 different deities that's not how that works maybe one or two maybe but that's a lot of fucking work because it's not just this is how your practice has to be it is also these are certain types of food that you can no longer consume you cannot have sex on these days because these days are sacred to me you cannot eat these types of foods because ew they will make you filthy yeah. They, it, it is all of this. It is all that and then some. Well, and more often than not, if you are a god spoused, very often that also means that you will not be able to fulfill an actual human relationship mm-hmm. in your life because those gods, if they take you like that, they want that attention. Mm-hmm. They you come belong, first. You belong to them. Yep. And they do not want a human man, woman, whatever to be getting in the way of that. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, so I, I struggle with the whole god spousing thing, at least as it's discussed now, because the people that are on the, out there claiming to be god spoused. Are, are talking about this, they don't have a fucking clue about what that really means and the commitment that that is. Um, and as you were saying, how that can completely take over your life in it, sometimes not very good ways. Yeah, it's supposed to. That's the point. Yeah. That is the point, is to live as if you were... Liz, live as if you are married to this god or this goddess. Mm-hmm. When you come home and you cook food, yeah, that dinner, that better be in alignment with their specifications mm-hmm. and all that. It is it is a lot and it is intense. I mean, there's a reason why nuns live in nunneries. Yeah. Because if you're surrounded by... Well, not the way they used to. Not the way they used to, but if you're surrounded by that all day, every day, it's harder to... Wave waver from your vows. Yeah. Versus if you're like, oh, <laughs> I had a dream and I'm God spouse now to Hades. Because I had a sexy dream about Hades from Hercules. Which cracks me up because I think I actually heard something about that not too long ago. And this person was, um, well, delusional. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm just based on the behavior. I, I think this person obviously had some very serious mental health issues. Which I find a lot of these people who go on and on about being God-spoused, a lot of them do. Uh, but this person was not only so caught up in their mental illness, but also arrogant enough to believe that Hades had chosen them to replace Persephone as his bride and queen of the underworld. Mm. And that 
upon leaving this mortal lifetime that they were going to be moving into or going to the underworld to assume rulership in Persephone's place. And, whew, you know, all I could do is kind of nod my head and at the same time say a quick prayer to that person because, holy shit, Persephone is going to chew them up if they uh. really think that's what's going to go on. Uh, most of the time these people on social media who are doing this are one doing it for clout mm -hmm. and doing it for the dramatics that's true a lot of it isn't even and real. what ends up it's, it's pretend well, and what ends up happening is they're, they're plagans is what I call them mm -hmm. um, they're glorified larp larping people yeah. who use live action role play as a form of religion and magical yeah. uh, practice yeah. um, nothing against larping but Witchcraft no, is not LARPing. No, no. Witchcraft a, is not D&D. Sorry. It's a thing people like. Um, and so, all I can say is good luck yeah. to that. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, because, um, yeah. Yeah. Persephone is not one to be fucked with. Yeah. She's, she can be mean. <laughs> you will not take her crown. <clears throat> <coughs> well, not to mention, but I mean, Hades, I don't think would be, Hades wouldn't even be interested in that, you know? Like, I guess that's the other thing to be like, we're looking at very different forms of life, right? You know, and I hate making I'm gonna just say this. Your sex, your sexiness, whatever you, however confident you are in your body and mm. your abilities in the bedroom... Mm is nothing compared to the to, to a god or a goddess. Mm -hmm. These are these are entities that can weave galaxies into existence through climax. You just make your sheets messy, bitch. Oh jeez, graphic. So, no. That's not how that works. And for you to be arrogant enough just tells me cool, you go ahead and do that. I'll let the gods have you. Well, as is often the case, these people, they, they usually end up going through lessons of some sort that kind of show them that. The problem is that I find most of them don't realize that's what's happening. You no, know, they're just blaming they, it they on Moldavite. Off, yeah, they piss off a god, and then the god finally says, oh, okay, let's play. And, they, and then they don't realize, like, oh, this is probably happening because I picked this fight. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen that happen a few times over the years with different types of spirits. But anyway, so what would you like to discuss this tonight, Austin? Let's Let's move on. Let's... So, I had a question from one of our listeners okay. that kind of popped up, and they want to know specifically um, someone who was raised in something like Mormonism, because they are from Utah, um, and kind of grew up in that, how to heal that religious trauma. And I'm not going to give you a spell or anything like that, um, because... Magic's not going to work in that situation. It's called therapy. Okay. Suck it up, save your money, and see a fucking therapist. See a therapist that specializes in that. And you have to understand that it's not a religious trauma. It is a cult trauma at this point. Because certain religious organizations, such as the Mormon Church, are cults. Okay. They are cults. And there's difference between religious trauma, that is oh, I was told Jesus hates me because I'm gay, and so I now hold that shame. That's religious trauma. And cult mindset, 
which is you continue to wear underwear that continue to give you a pH imbalance and cause lots of horrible, horrible issues, but you continue to do it because mommy and daddy told you to. That's cultic. So, so for those of you who have left the church, if you are refusing to get therapy for, for whatever reason, and you're still wondering why this cultic or religious trauma has power and influence over you, that's why. It's because a crystal's not going to help you. Sitting and meditating and praying to angels is not going to help you. As a matter of fact, you need to probably avoid those things because those are things you were told to do prior to continue to work past a religious trauma, you must cut and sever ties to that life. And that does sometimes mean getting rid of your family. That's, that's, that's hard. That's a very difficult decision. It is hard. It is a very difficult decision. And, uh, but, but that's that. Because if you continue to go around your family and they continue to force you to do things like pray and go to church and you have to dress a certain way because you're now around this family member, then you're not necessarily going to heal. You're just continuing that cycle. And as hard and as, as much as it hurts, and I hear this from you, I feel it, I can validate those emotions for anyone. I, I get it. Your mental health and spiritual well-being is worth so much more than those individuals who want nothing to do with you because your shoulders aren't being covered. So I, I just need to ask, just for clarification real quick for myself, because I, I didn't interact with this listener. Is, is this person a minor? No. Okay. All right. Because the, the advice you're giving is absolutely correct, but I do feel it is probably fair to say if you are a minor, if you are someone who, maybe you're not a minor, but for some reason you are reliant or dependent upon family who are tied or locked into a particular religion or spiritual path um you know that isn't working for you if you are reliant upon those people the the, the sad thing is is that you may need to continue to play the game mm -hmm. for a while longer you know we see this happen i think really commonly with people in the lgbtq community as well mm -hmm. right like like it's never a good idea to tell a 15 year old in the middle of the you know in the midwest like oh you're gay you should just come out to your parents you know like that's probably not going to go well you know, like, and as shitty as it is, yeah, you're probably going to need to pretend for a few more years or figure out some way to get away from that family or to, to create mm -hmm. some other sort of safety in your life before you try to, to come out. Exactly. Of you know, and so I think it is it's fair to acknowledge that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, but I'll be completely honest. People who I have found have had to go through processes like that, people who have had to play that game and pretend to be someone other than who they are. And I'm not, in no way am I advocating doing that because that is a horrible way to live. You're not even really living at that point. But I have noticed that people who are able to do that and then eventually successfully step away from that because they have been very good at creating their own sense of safety or security or maybe they've just gotten lucky, who knows. I have noticed that that extra time and that extra involvement in whatever that other ugly thing was, um, does actually prove to be of value later on if they're able to heal and mm -hmm. recover from that experience nothing is going to make you a better pagan or a, a more effective witch than having had a little bit of religious exposure 
Oh yeah, of course. Because then you know, you know what the alternative is. You know what the opposite is. You can recognize the evil and the power and the, the or the fake power mm-hmm. and the, the, the false authority mm-hmm. of the church. And all that's going to do is give fire to your spells mm-hmm. and to your, your identity as a witch or as a practitioner. Well, it's also going, going to give you structure, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's that's one thing that people fail to even acknowledge when they jump into <clears throat> to, to witchcraft. You know, they jump right into witchcraft, and the first thing they want to go into is get that thousand and one spell book. And it's like, okay, but you don't know how to ground, you don't know how to center, you don't know how to raise power, you don't know how to do this, you don't yeah, know how to do this, you don't know how to carve, you don't know what herbs do what, you don't know what crystals do what, yeah. other than what you've seen on fucking Pinterest. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. So now you just have this book, and you're going to whip this thing together and hope for the best. And the minute you're like, well, maybe you should try something a little bit more structured. Here, read this. Well, or if you say that, then you're automatically a gatekeeper. Then you're a gatekeeper, yeah. <clears throat> and they are like, well, I don't want to be, you know, just using Wicca, for example. Well, I don't want to be Wiccan. Okay, well, you don't have to be Wiccan, but Wicca offers structure. And you can learn from that structure and then apply that to your path. There are other ways to do that that don't involve Wicca. There are other ways to do that, uh, yes, that don't involve Wicca. <clears throat> but pretty much any Wiccan book out there is going to give you, like, here's an outline for a spell. Yeah. Here Sorry. are the steps in a ritual. Sorry. As is often the case, I'm I'm coughing through our podcast episode. At least you're not um, like laughing yourself into a do an uh, asthma attack. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good thing. Yes. Um, but so that's th- those are the, the the suggestions I I would say. If you've already made that change, you've already left, and you're finding that struggle hard, then all then here's here's my suggestion, and this is something that I've had to ju- suggest to to one of my friends. Communication between you and those ty- those family members must be in text format because that gives you the control to read it fill your fills scream and be angry and then respond in a more balanced manner okay um or don't respond at all leave them on red you also need to set out very hard boundaries like i'm not going to be discussing this with you this is not things we're going to discuss. If you bring it up, I will ask you to stop. And if you continue to push, I will leave. These are your options. And if they don't like that and they can't respect that, then that's just going to further prove to you that they don't care about your well-being. Mm-hmm. Though they're putting it in in, in that, they're, that they're, sense. They're, they're wrapping that up in their in their, their concern. Yes, they're concerned for your soul. Yes, exactly. But that, that's just manipulation. Um. And they'll never change. Well, don't say never, because I, I've seen some some big changes made possible in the lives of people who finally start to get a little bit of truth. Um, <clears throat> you know, who can actually see that their relationship with their child is more important than what the bishop thinks. You know, so I, I've seen that happen. Um, so that's that's the easiest way to do it. That's the best way to go about it. Therapy, setting healthy boundaries, and asking yourself. How often are you comparing what you do in your craft to what you used to do in church? <clears throat> yes, good point. Um, how often are you taking a story of a particular tradition or practice and then relating that to something that you read in the gospel or the scriptures? How often are you doing that? Because they're separate things and they need to be treated as such. All right. 
So I hope I gave <coughs> some good information. <coughs> well, I think so. And if not, it's at least entertaining, right? All right. So we actually, it's funny, we're doing this. We just had another question come through to the podcast. So let's do this. Let's get this out there. Okay. So, all right. This is, this is for me personally, a very, I feel very strongly about this. Okay. Um, as I'm sure you will as well, Austin. So question in. This person says, I have been considering working with Hades and Persephone as, as of late and have been looking at historical uh, historical types of resources, which are kind of difficult to get a hold of, mm-hmm. and information made available on social media, which we understand is not so not always necessarily the best. Yep. Okay? Um, and they're getting this information apparently from people who are claiming to be devotees of Hades and Persephone. Mm. They recently came across someone who claimed to be a high priestess of Hades, and they're in the process of looking at the information they were getting from this person. They kind of are like, it doesn't seem to me like Hades in particular would have the kind of hierarchy or structure to his devotion mm-hmm. where there would be like high priests and priestesses. Okay, And so they're, they're wondering, their question basically is, are there certain deities or other pantheons that have a situation like that with priests and priestesses and others who do not? Okay, and so the first thing I want to address with this question is this person that you've run into that claims to be a high priestess of Hades is probably insane. Um, Hades does not have high priestesses, particularly not in this era. You might have found, if you go all the way back to you know ancient Greece and the area of the world where these most of these gods within that pantheon, Hades, Persephone, these gods would have been worshipped, you're going to find that there would have been uh, cults and shrines and temples and devotees to these gods and goddesses they would have had very often they would have had priestesses but the there in these old religions these old traditions there is a lot of confusion around what exactly that means okay and it sure as hell doesn't mean the same thing today okay to be a priest or priestess of Hades thousands of years ago or even just even just a couple thousand years ago, was not to be a priest or priestess to Hades, but to be a priest or priestess of a particular church that had identified itself as a sacred space to Hades. Mm-hmm. You are never a priest or a priestess to a god. You are a priest or a priestess to a particular church or temple. Okay, The gods don't need priests and priestesses. They love devotees. And you can absolutely identify as a devotee. And I know there will be people listening to this that will be like, well, that's not true because blah, blah, blah was always identified as a... Okay, but again, if you do your research and you look at the cultural associations, okay, more often than not, what made you a priest or a priestess of a particular deity was not your worship of the deity. It was your involvement in a structured, formal religion or practice usually based around a physical temple or shrine. Okay. The same is true of our of our practices now, even in um, even in, in, in Christianity. It, you know, it is not worshiping God that makes you a, a pastor, a reverend, a bishop, a whatever. It is the position that you hold within a congregation or mm-hmm. a church. That is what it distinguishes these things. So anyone that tells you that they are a priestess of Hades had better follow that up with some sort of proof of the church that they are also now operating because otherwise they're full of shit. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, having said that, there are traditions, established traditions out there that because of the 
who knows what you want to call it, the, the hierarchy of the tradition, the, the structure of the coven or the group of people that are involved in that tradition, it is common to see people claim title of high priest or high priestess. But once again, that has nothing to do with the worship or the spirits of that tradition. That is basically just the ranking system for mm. the humans involved it, in that group. It's basically what their, that title is their duty. Like under that title yes. is a job description. <clears throat> yes, exactly. You know, exactly. The high priest and a high priestess <coughs> of a coven are mm-hmm. the CEOs. Yes. Well, and that's, I think, I love that you throw that word out there, Austin, because I think a lot of people think that, you know, even even if you've actually earned the title and you are actually doing something that warrants, that this is like, okay, yeah, you've, you're absolutely doing mm-hmm. what you should be doing as a priest or priestess. Even if you've earned that in the right way and you're doing the right work around that, to be the high priest or priestess does not mean that you are the person at the top of the ladder. You are the person at the bottom fucking rung. Mm-hmm. And it is your responsibility to make sure that everyone else that is involved in that group are doing everything that they need to do to climb that ladder. Yes. You know, and by climbing the ladder, I mean that they are learning in the ways that they need to, that they are growing in the ways mm-hmm. they need to, they are healing in the ways that they need to. Yeah. It is your responsibility as someone who has become or has been appointed or has claimed the title mm-hmm. of priest or priestess to do that work for other people. This is about duty. This is about service. Mm-hmm. And if you're ever working with anybody who is like, well, I'm the high priestess. I'm the big dog around here, blah, blah, blah. That person is full of shit and they they're need a cult to, leader. They're a cult leader. They're not a priest or a priestess. They are a cult leader mm-hmm. and you need to run like hell. This is... This is- in order to be a high priest or a high priestess, that means that you must have a group that you are leading. Mm-hmm. Being a priest or a priestess of a particular tradition means that you have done the work and have completed the rituals, the workings, and all the other things that go along with that tradition to thus establish a place in that temple, coven, or community. Well, beyond that, to be able to reach a position like something like a priest or a priestess, and again, because you need the structure of some sort of organized belief behind that to be able to get there, that is also going to entail that there's been some process of initiation involved. And you cannot be a priestess of Hades because there is no organization based around the worship of Hades that would have a formal structure of initiation Mm -hmm. to make you that thing. Yes. The only way that's going to happen is if you become a member of a particular coven or temple, grove, whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, and then go through their levels of training so that you can initiate. Because more often times than not, before you're even... You don't know what gods or spirits you're working with mm-hmm. until you are initiated and welcomed into that tradition. Very true. You know, but even then, with that initiation, that still doesn't make you a priest or priestess of a god. No, that makes you a priest or priestess of that coven, exactly or that tradition, exactly. And so, in order to be a priest or a priestess of a particular god, there's more work that is involved than just I had a dream, and I've done a lot of research. Cool. No. Well, it's it's been my experience that these kinds of people, people who make these kinds of claims, are very often these like I need to be special mm-hmm. kinds of people, and you know, and they they fall back on these kinds of things because on some level they know they know there's no way to prove that I'm not this thing mm-hmm. because this isn't a real thing to begin with. I can claim this, and no one can say no, you're not because. 
you know, for for that reason. Like, there's there's no evidence, there's no proof, there's nothing out there mm-hmm. right now that would be an organized church of Hades mm-hmm. or, or, you know, there's nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And so these people can say, well, this is what I am because blah, blah, blah. And, then, and people who maybe are not as familiar with these things are going to go, oh, okay. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm very excited to see that this person is questioning this because they, from the sound of it, are they're thinking about things in a good way and they're making good decisions mm-hmm. for their own practice and i hope if you hear this on this episode you say you listen regularly so i hope you hear this you need to avoid any information that you get from this person claiming to be a high priestess they may know a whole lot about hades but ugh, they are definitely not a priestess of hades i assure you because that doesn't exist um one of the other things that we we mention here okay or that, that they ask here is are there certain deities in your pantheons that have these? And yes, to answer that, yes, there are. But once again, that has nothing to do with the deity or the pantheon. That has more to do with the organizations, the human organizations, mm-hmm. the churches, the temples, the shrines, whatever, and the traditions around that human worship. That That's what determines priests and priestesses. Mm-hmm. As we were mentioning at the beginning of the episode, when we were talking about gods and the, or the origination of gods, they don't need devotees mm-hmm. they don't need priests and priestesses they don't need those things so for people to claim this is one illogical mm-hmm. two arrogant oh my god the 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 avarice um and uh, you know and so yeah so it's just it's it's unfortunate but it sounds to me again like you you are good to question this and i would say if you want to work with hades and persephone do your own research Learn what you can of those gods. Establish your own personal connection. And don't be overly concerned around what other people have to tell you about their personal experiences because that's exactly what that is. It's personal. That are, that are, those are those persons' personal experiences in their mm-hmm. own practice. And a lot of that may not even apply to you. Mm-hmm. Well, our, uh, something that I find is a really good example of this is we have a lot of individuals in the community here that come in they talk about their coven their coven their coven their coven their coven and really what it is is it's relief society it's a group of women who've left the church who are now trying to grasp some semblance of 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 spirituality yeah or whatever or a group of teenagers or friends that think it's fun to do full moon release rituals together um and without fail, these people always see that we do full moon rituals and so they sign up for the full moon rituals and they show up and the last time this happened, these two people brought, like, they were, like, dressed in yoga gear and brought their yoga mats <clears throat> and their own yoga spray. A yoga spray? Yeah, to, like, clean their mats. Oh, okay. And like, they came in and they are like, where do you want us to set up for the full moon releasing ritual? And I was like... I just, I can't get past that, like, full moon release. That sounds like some sort of, like, weird, like, cleanse or right? fast And so I diet. sat here and I just kind of looked at them and I was like, yeah, well, we're not doing that because yeah. I'm a witch. And roll up your yoga mask. So we're not doing that. And they just had this look. And this woman even said, like, well, this isn't how I do it. And I was like, that's because you probably don't practice witchcraft. You practice some form of new age spirituality. Mm -hmm. You've signed up for this full moon ritual. I'm a witch. I'm not going to have you write what's no longer serving you on a piece of paper and then burn it while we sing Kumbaya and play singing bowls and talk about fancy yoni egg crystals. Does it bother you? Does it ever bother you? And I guess I have to check myself here a little bit on this because... It's me. Of course it bothers me. Well, okay. What I was going to ask is like, does it ever... Does it bother you 
that these kinds of things, like the the full moon, the obs- observance of the full moon, these kinds of things, does it, does it ever bother you that that has been another one of these things that has been so superficially co-opted by New Age spirituality? Of course it does. Because, you know, like, years ago, like, New Age spiritualists, they didn't go anywhere near the moon. They, they have nothing that involved the lunar cycles or the full moon. or those, It's these, these idiots that are continue to try to pick and pull pieces from legitimate spiritual practices to try to make theirs seem legitimate as well. Who, you know, who do this. They ruin this. And we have so much misinformation and miscommunication out there now around the full moon and what you should do on the full moon. You know, and what that would traditionally be for. You know, when you've got people out there, as you were saying, that are doing, trying to do full moon yoga releases. You know, it's like, that's not a thing. Roll up your yoga mat and go home, Becky. Yeah. Yeah, that shit, that shit really bothers me. Yeah, it, it gets me. And every every time I leave one of the full moon rituals here, I have a spiel in the beginning for those who've not been before. I usually... It's, I do not cast circles. I do not call quarters. I am a elapsed Wiccan. So while I can do those things, I am not going to be doing those tonight. What we are doing tonight is this because the full moon is in this position in the sky, which gives us the ability to harness these types of power. Of course, I'm going over this and all of the regulars are like, yeah, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we're doing it. And then these other people are like, oh, what did I get myself into? My favorite is when they're dressed up like they're going on a date and they bring the person they're going on a date with. <laughs> yes. And they're like in heels. <coughs> and they're like, this is going to be so fun. We're going to sit and we're going to meditate. And then I'm like, and we're going to work a mill. And they're like, I can't do that in heels. And I'm like, then I guess you better get the fuck out. Best take off those heels and hike up that skirt a little bit because you're going to catch yourself on fire. You remember we had people do that when we did the Cordoliums years ago? Yes. People coming like, we're on a dated date night and we thought this would be fun. It's like, please have a seat. We're about to call up Hecate of the Underworld. Oh, you know, like, here, like here's, this is this seems like a real fun first date activity for your little Mormon boyfriend. Yeah, good job. Good choice. Yeah. Maybe they were actually doing that on purpose because they knew it would scare them away. Well, I guess that is a good, that would be a good test though, right? Like if mm-hmm. you were a witch and you wanted to really see like, okay, how cool is that? Are they going to be with me? doing this to take them to something like that or like they're gonna call up a goddess from the underworld be like okay like if if he can make it through that okay probably a keeper that's right? what i did with one of my exes there you go except for it was so so we were at, at at home and this was an individual who grew up in the church their entire life and so they're sitting there and I'm like no i don't want anything to do with it and i'm like okay well i have a full moon ritual i'm gonna do so you're more than welcome to hang out on the bed over there and shut the fuck up and eat your hot wings while I do this. <laughs> and I did it. And afterwards, there was just this absolute look of trauma because they were like, that was heavy and intense. And after you did the first things where you said the stuff and you walked in a circle, he's like, I don't really remember much after that until now. And I was like, cool. Means I did something right. Did you leave me any hot wings? No. Uh, no, there were there no was, more hot wings. There were no hot, no more hot wings, and I was very sad. They were, they were eating to, to try to, to try to like, uh, cover their trauma at that point. Probably from, from witnessing your, your evil, scary moon ritual. Yes, which involved me, very quietly sitting at my altar. Yeah. It's fine. Hmm. I would have was. Eh. Why is an X? Oh, there you go. 
right. Anyway. But I'm kind of like dating this really super awesome guy right now who's also a super awesome really? witch. Oh my gosh. He yeah. sounds cool. He's super cool and he's really a uh, talented witch and very well learned. Okay, and enough of your personal life. Ugh. And his name is Michael and he's sitting right across from me. Ugh, gross. Ugh. And uh, Get away from me. Please don't come for us, Whitney Houston. Uh, I'm not sure she actually owns the rights to that. Well, she's dead now, but... <laughs> yeah, that's a very good question. Doesn't Dolly Parton still own all the rights to her songs? Probably. It's Dolly yeah. Parton. And Dolly Parton loves a gay, so she wouldn't come for us. We do love Dolly. We do love she's Dolly. She's awesome. St. Yeah, Dolly. She's a national treasure. And if anybody disputes that, I'm going to curse you. Same. One other thing I'd like to talk about tonight. Okay. Okay. Um... And this is something that I've noticed, and I, you know, I, I have to word this very carefully because I don't want to sound exclusionary, and I don't want this to sound like people don't all have the right to express an opinion, okay, or to share information, particularly when it's learned information, like they've actually studied, right? Those are those, those are the people I want to hear from, right? Okay, but I've noticed this thing popping up now in interactions, and I've had these interactions not only with people online, I don't know why I engage with people online, well, I do know why I engage with people online, but a lot of the time, I you know, that brings a lot of headache, right? But also people in person. But I've noticed this thing now, and it's not a new thing, but I think it's just been popping up a lot more lately, where armchair occultists, people who, you know, they've read a lot of books, and, you know, and they, as far as, like, the academia, you know, like, they really know their shit, right? Like, they know this is this is what this is, this is where this god came from, this is where this practice originated, this is what, you know, they know those things, right? They're very good at the trivia and the knowledge, mm -hmm. right? But they don't actually practice anything. Yeah. Right? For them, it's all just about the, gotta, gotta learn, gotta obtain more, gotta mm -hmm. learn, more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge, right? It's like, are you gonna do anything with it? No. Well, probably not, you know? Because I don't really believe in it, but I just want the knowledge, mm -hmm. right? You know, great. You know, I love to I love to lock knowledge away into my brain, right? That's something I, I I've always enjoyed. But but then I've noticed a few situations, you know, in exchanges, and I've had these, I've seen these happen with other people where someone who has the same pool of knowledge, but then has also taken that beyond just the learning and is putting it into practice, is then presenting something based in practice that is in itself also rooted in the knowledge mm -hmm. that they have. And the armchair occultist that doesn't have any experience with practice or belief is going, well, that's not right. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Well, you shouldn't be talking about this. Well, you don't know, question mark. And, you know, and, and in those situations, I just, I want to just smack these, these scholars, like these occult scholars or scholars, you know, it's like, you've learned a whole lot of shit, but you haven't put any of this into practice. Mm. You don't have the personal association or experience behind this information. All you've done is read a book. Mm -hmm. All you've done is taken a class. You've got someone here who is just as knowledgeable as you are, but has now also had this personal experience and connection telling you and sharing information on this that really, to be honest, is a little bit of a notch above what you've got to provide, mm -hmm. right? And you're questioning and you're commenting and you're trying to pull that person down and telling them there's no space for what they have to share. Where the fuck do you get off, mm -hmm. right? And I've had a couple of interactions with people lately where I've been kind of like, you don't really have any room to talk about this. Like, when was the last time you actually conducted a ritual? 
When was the last time you actually held a seance? When mm-hmm. was the last time you spoke to this deity? When was the last time you cast a spell? Mm-hmm. You know? And they're like, well, I don't do any of that. And it's like, then shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. You know? I can read every book out there, too. Going out and reading a book or pulling shit off the internet is easy. Especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Right? When you put that crap into practice and you actually have personal experience to share that backs up the information that you've already cultivated, then we'll talk. Right. You know, and, and again, I want to say it's not that I have a problem with having interactions like that, because that's always an opportunity for everybody in that situation to learn and grow. Right. Mm-hmm. And hopefully to take the, a little bit of the wind out of some of those armchair occultist sales. Right. Because they, they get a little louder each year, it would seem. But but for me, that's almost like like, I, you know, I don't want to quiet any or silence anyone in that situation. But I'm also like the people who are actually doing the work day to day, their voices always need to be louder. Mm-hmm. That what they have to say is all, always should be more important because they're actually doing it. And the information that you have in your book wouldn't exist if you didn't have people over all of those years actually putting that shit into practice. Those traditions would have died out a long time ago. You know, and so that's something that I've seen lately that really has kind of, again, kind of gotten a little on my nerves. It's like, I'm real tired of people deciding like, well, actually, and it's like, <laughs> sit the fuck down with your well, actually, because I assure you, you have nothing to add to this discussion. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time with Italian craft. It happens all the time with Italian craft. Yeah, it it actually happened um, to me on TikTok. I was talking about how, like, I love Gramassi. I've read pretty much all of Gramassi's books. Um, uh, Italian witchcraft by Raven Gramassi, Holy Book of Strega. These are all very good references, and there's some good historical information in them. But also, it is always through the guise of Alexandrian Wicca. And when I was talking about that on one of my social medias, someone popped up and was like, well, where are your sources? Where are your sources for this? And I had to respond with, well... I've taken the Italian witchcraft course by Raven Gramassi, and I also grew up in a family of practicing Italian witches. And yeah, we don't cast circles or, or, or call quarters or do any of these things that he's saying that we do. And well, yeah, different families, oh, excuse me, different families do things differently. The concepts that are put forth in Italian witchcraft, the book, are through the lens of Alexandrian Wicca. And this person, I mean, they backed right off as soon as I was like, well, I've taken these courses, I grew up in this, and they were just kind of like, oh, oh, and it's like, yeah, you gotta backtrack, because you taking this doesn't make you Italian, you know? In order for you to be an Italian witch or an Italian practitioner, you kind of, like, need to be Italian, you know, and a lot of people just want to cling to things being open, 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 open. Everything's always open, 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 open if it's in a book. And having that discussion with this individual was very like, okay, so you're trying to please me on my practice, an actual Italian witch, when you're not Italian, and not only are you not Italian, you're basing all of your Italian practice off of a Gramassi course that I also took that I am also saying was not necessarily legitimate. Not illegitimate, but most definitely like, ah, yes, there's the Wicca. There's the Wicca. Yeah. So, and 
as soon as you kind of take the wins out of their cell, they just kind of disappear. But yeah, yeah, it, it just it, it frustrates me, you know. And again, and again, I, you know, I I love to have the interactions with people. I love to discuss these things with people, but I, 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 I don't know, you know. It's one of those like I, you know, to put it in a slightly different context, you know, like you're gonna have. I, you know, I don't know. You got, you know, you got two people hovering over someone who's, you know, in in the process of, I don't know, a surgery, right? And you you've got, you know, the med student, mm-hmm. you know, who could be very close to graduation, but up to now hasn't actually performed any kind of surgery, mm-hmm. right? And then you got a surgeon there with like over a dozen years of experience on actually taking a scalpel to flesh mm-hmm. and doing surgery. You know, and the med student is there. Well, you should do this. Well, you should hold your scalpel this way. Oh, well, that's not how you suture a wound. Oh, you should cut that. Oh, you should clamp that. You know, and I'm like, if I were that surgeon, I'd turn around and I'd stab that med student in the face with my scalpel. You mm-hmm. know, like, like back off. You have the knowledge, but you have not yet figured out how or have chosen not to put this into practice. Back off. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to teach someone to cast spells if you yourself aren't casting spells regularly? Exactly. And then people throw out the, well, that's ableist. And it's like, no, it's it's not ableist. I'm so sick of the ableist thing. Ableism, ableism is a real thing. <coughs> it, no, I, I, you're absolutely right. And let me clarify. When I say I'm sick of the ableism thing, I'm not saying that ableism doesn't happen, that it isn't real. Where I say I'm sick of that is that everybody out there now who for whatever reason feels the need to justify why they can't why they can't can't do something falls back on that word Mm -hmm. and with a little bit of research and clicking into a facebook profile or two you learn really quickly that there's no reason this person can't do this Mm -hmm. this is this is an excuse this is a justification and, you know, and, and, you know, and I'm serious. I've had people tell me just recently I had that happen. I posted something and then someone was like, well, you're being ableist. And I was like, no, I'm not going to allow you to do that because by making this about your personal ouchie around you making me, me you know, me making you and your, your interpretation, mm-hmm. I made an ableist comment, which wasn't. You're, you're going to tell me, you know, and in the process of doing that, what you're doing, not only is, is are you wrong by, by throwing that word out there, but you're also taking this topic that impacts a whole community of people and you're making it all about yourself, mm-hmm. which is really fucked up. So I'm calling bullshit on ableism and I'm also not going to let you play your victim politics. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then to follow that experience up, that exchange up, I actually had someone who was severely disabled message me and say, I didn't find anything that you just said there, ableist at all. And I I struggle to do this, but I can say that I've successfully been able to do this. And it's been yeah. a lot harder for me, but I've done it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, thank you so much for validating that because sometimes I need to check myself as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes I need a little bit of help with that. But I'm really tired of that though. People are using that now. Every little thing every little thing well you're being ableist you're being ableist it's like "Mm, but am i though or are you maybe basically just not wanting to try i think i think a lot of it what 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 it boils down to is there is there are a lot of things that can prevent you from doing things in your craft yeah and i can say this as someone who has chronic depression Having the sads does not mean that you just don't practice. 
there are things on an energetic level you can do that you have to force yourself to do sometimes. And it's exhausting. And it's tiring. I get it. But if you haven't grounded in four days, you've not left your house in a week, you've closed all of the windows because you have the sads, and now you're feeling that your deities have completely withdrawn from you because you have the sads. That sounds like a you issue, and only you can really step up and make that change. I have suffered with depression my entire life. I was on antidepressants and in therapy at the age of 11. I have gone through these hurdles. And so when someone says, oh, well, my depression gets really, really bad, I hear it, I get it, but there are some times where that's just not an excuse. That's not even a reason. That is, that is literally just a, I don't want to do it. Well, I mean, everybody's different, right? I mean, that's your personal experience, you know? And there are people out there who have depression that would be connected, I think, to other kinds of mental health concerns that would, mm -hmm. would probably be a bit more serious, mm -hmm. right? And they might have reason to do that, right? But I, I guess there's just this part of me that's like, okay, if you're going to throw out... Like, I can't do this because this is an issue of ableism and for you to imply that I can't do this or that I'm somehow at fault for not doing this, that you're being ableist. If you're going to do that, I guess there's kind of this part of me that's like, okay, well, I, you know, this is going to make me sound like an asshole, admittedly, but I want to know what your disability is. I want to know what it is that's going on that prevents you from being able to do this. You know, because, and as a teacher, let me explain that, okay? I'm not saying that because I'm like, I wanna, I wanna ha create a gotcha moment for that person, okay? In doing that, what I wanna do is I want that person to tell me, well, this is why I struggle with this, or this mm -hmm. is why I'm not able to do this or learn this in this capacity, because as someone who teaches consistently, that tells me, okay, that's all I needed to know. Mm -hmm. well, now I can present this in this way instead. Mm -hmm. I can help you. Well, in public education, you have a thing called an IEP. Yeah. And it is no different for a witchcraft teacher. A witchcraft teacher or mentor has to know what's going on so that way we can adjust the exercises, adjust the things, give you more time, take you, you know, maybe guide you to a different way to do it. I have several students in my Awakening Witch class who have aphantasia. They can't visualize. Yeah. Their brains just aren't doing it. Yeah. So I have to sit with my exercises and with these students and go, okay, we have to do something that will bring on the same result of the exercise that utilizes visualization, but we can't use visualization. Yeah. What can we do? Oh. You know, it's, it's, it's like being vegan and showing up to a barbecue and being pissed off when no one made sure that everything was a Beyond Burger or a Beyond Brat for you. Yeah, when no one knew that you were vegan. Yeah, right? it's up yeah. to you to make sure that you are readied with those accommodations. Yeah. Um, and even in college, they'll tell you that. In college, if you're missing class because you can't get out of bed because of depression, it is your responsibility to contact your professors, not theirs, you're a number to them. Usually, yeah. Usually. Um, it is your job to contact your professors and then contact the student with this, the student services with disabilities office or 
however that goes, and get the get the accommodations made and get that letter and that IEP written up. It is on it, it is on you. It is on you to do that. It is not on me. It is not on your professor. It is not on your teacher. It's not. Yeah. And yes, every everyone should be able to have access to these things, but if an accommodation is needed, mm-hmm. you're the person who has to stand up and say, I can't do that for this reason, XYZ. Yeah. What can we do to adjust this? I still want to do it. Mm-hmm. I still need to do this. I just can't do it in the way that you are presenting first. Exactly. Yeah. And that's called being a responsible adult. Yes, and that's going to be a much more effective conversation than going, you're being ableist, and getting mad. Because all that's... then you're not going to encourage that person to try to no. meet you halfway anymore. No, all you're yeah. going to do is make that person go, how? And then when you come back, and they respond with, okay, still not getting it, Yeah. and all you do is get huffy and block, mm. sounds like a you problem. Yeah. Very true. I'm sitting here thinking about this, and again, this is, I'm getting, I'm getting, my thought process on this is becoming saltier and saltier as we go, but I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, like, hundreds of years ago, if you were chosen to apprentice with someone, I'm not even talking witchcraft here, I'm just Mm -hmm. talking just just in general, Mm -hmm. you know, you were chosen to apprentice with someone, and depending on the nature of the work... You know, say uh, we'll throw out blacksmithing. Okay, mm-hmm. so say you you decided you wanted to apprentice with a blacksmith, so that you in turn could eventually become a blacksmith, right? And blacksmithing is heavy, hard body work, right? Mm-hmm. And as an apprentice, you turn to that blacksmith who said, "Would you please pick up that tool over there and help me with the anvil over here?" And you, your response was, "I'm not strong enough to pick up that tool." That blacksmith's going to tell you to get the hell out of the forge. Mm -hmm. And sorry, no more apprenticeship, right? And so I think, and and I'm saying that, again, not to be a jerk. Okay, I'm saying that because I think that people need to be a little bit more patient with teachers and people who are presenting information and making it easier to learn. People who are legitimately trying to share I think, I think you need to be more patient with these people. And as you were just saying, you need to work with them to facilitate your yes. process of learning if you need a different approach. Yes, work with us, um, not against us. We're, we're, people try so much harder now, I think, to meet most people. Like, like we, we have to in a lot of reasons, right? We have to try so much harder now. We mm-hmm. need to be available to meet people halfway, right? And I guess all I'm saying is, like, meet me halfway, right? If I'm trying to meet you halfway, meet me halfway, right? Um Anyway, yeah, sorry, not kind of another weird sidebar there. No, no, but. that 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 makes total and complete sense. You know, there are accommodations that need to be made for for individuals on certain levels doing certain things. There are accommodations that have to be made. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with those accommodations being made. But it's expecting someone to make those accommodations when they don't even know what's going on in the first place. How am I supposed to know you have aphantasia if you don't tell me you have aphantasia? Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to know that you are neurodiver- neurodivergent if you don't take me aside and say, hey, this is what's going on. And I get it. There are some people who hold shame around that and mm-hmm. are either embarrassed or don't want to be picked <clears throat> out. But if you're, if you're 
working with a teacher and you feel that that teacher's response is going to be get the fuck over it, you probably shouldn't be studying with that teacher. Yeah, that, well, that person shouldn't be somebody who should be teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if, if, as a teacher, if you're not willing to do everything you can, within reason, everything you can to, to again, to meet your students halfway and to do what you need to do to facilitate their learning, I mean, if it means you have to change something in some way, you probably shouldn't be fucking teaching. Mm-hmm. Because every student is not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 is that is true for everything. That's not just witchcraft either. Mm-hmm. That is, I I experience that in, in teaching voice lessons. Not breathing, the opocho technique doesn't work for everyone. It doesn't work for everyone because every's bo- everyone's body is different. Just like everyone's energy is different, everyone's practice is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Everyone's connections are going to be facilitated differently. Yep. And that's okay. But we need to know, as teachers, we need to know so that we can, like, work with you. Yes. And not against you. Yes. And if I'm presenting information, going back to what initially brought this up for me, if I'm presenting information and for whatever reason that information is something, it's not something that's working for you or you want to hear, I'm, I'm talking about myself now because that's, that's all I really can do, right? But I know that this is a conversation I've had with a lot of other people <clears throat> who teach and share information in different platforms um, in different ways. But if we're presenting something that's not working for you or we're asking you to do something that for whatever reason you're legitimately not capable of doing um then yeah you need you need to have that conversation with us and just don't go the whole like well you're just being ableist and and storm out of the room right because at that point you haven't done anything to try to get me to try to 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 continue to work with you at that point all you probably have done is piss me off you know so anyway One last thing before we move on with ramblings, because this is one rambling that I have. Apparently, someone is still telling people, you have to cleanse and cast a circle before you do a spell, otherwise it's not going to work. Hmm. Okay. Not every witch casts circles, just like not every witch honors and celebrates the common will of the year that we actually see. I'm one of those witches. I do not cast a circle all the time. Hardly ever, actually. Um, and I do not honor every fucking Sabbath because they're not part of my tradition. I do this, not. This sounds like a Wiccan. It's someone who's claiming to not be Wiccan. Oh, what? Yeah, they claim to not be Wiccan, yet they're all cleanse, cleanse, cleanse. You have to cast a circle. Da, 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 and it's like, no, it's not how it works. Hmm. So. If you're the type of witch who wipes the Cheeto dust off of their hands before they go and they anoint that love candle, cool. You don't gotta cleanse. You don't gotta do anything. As long as you can tap into your power and your energy and raise it effectively, charge your implements and get that work going, your spell will work. Why would you need to wipe the Cheeto dust off your hands? Just put Cheeto dust on the candle. I love Cheetos. That's what I'm saying. That's what I did for you. I knew it. That's how you pulled me in. That's how I pulled Cheeto you in. dust on a, on, a, on a love candle. Yes. Well, it seems to have worked. So please don't get caught up in those things. Remember, it is possible to cleanse too much. I mean, think about it. If you're doing a baneful working and you're pissed off and you're trying to cleanse that energy away before you do your baneful working, you're negating, you're negating the issue. You're negating the energy there. Just like there are people 
in the community who burn fucking sage after they do a working. And I'm like, you just dissipated all the energy that you raised. I mean, you probably didn't raise that much energy to begin with, but you've now dissipated the energy, and now you're wondering why your spell's not working. I just feel like I'm blocked. Yeah, you're the block. Because you're, you're, you're not cooking. Witchcraft is not... You don't need to wash your ingredients before you use them. Okay. I mean, with exception, right? I mean, there are some things like, you do what if, wash. What if, like, because I've, I mean, I've done spells where I've incorporated, like, things that are, like, covered in blood and stuff. Like, should I not wash those things? I mean, go ahead and wash those things if you want. Well, I didn't need blood for the working. I figured it would be better if the... Anyway, go on. So, yeah, don't don't feel that you need to cleanse and cast a circle before you do any working, after you do any working. Just like you don't need to fucking cast a protection spell to cast a protection spell. Like, that seems fucking redundant. Mm -hmm. And if all you do is cleansing and protection magic, particularly cleansing and protection magic centered around pretty aesthetic jars... I encourage yeah, you're you. You're just doing spell jars. You don't need to worry about any kind of protection because you're not really working with any real energy. I encourage you <laughs> to expand your horizons. And if your response is, I don't know where, or this is just what I feel I'm good at, that tells me that you're not willing to actually get out of your comfort zone. <gasps> oh my God. I just had an idea for a new shirt. Those of you who listen to the podcast will. Probably not be aware, actually, that when we first rolled out the podcast, we had shirts that we gave out with the Salty Witches logo, which has changed since, actually. We should do a new shirt design. Um, but on the backs of the shirts, we had uh, Ariana's There is no easy quote, button in there witchcraft. There is no easy button in witchcraft. I think we need a new quote for our next shirt. Our next shirt should be, don't listen to Pinterest witches. <laughs> Because that's kind of where I'm seeing these kinds of ideas come from. Yeah. You're talking about the, like, oh, you've got to clear before you do a spell. Oh, you've got to do a protection working before you do a spell. Like, I had that interaction with a young woman today who came into the store, and she was lovely, and I had a really nice visit with her. She was very sweet, and she um, was obviously very new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, she wouldn't tell me where, but she was getting information from some other resources, I'm assuming somewhere online. And she wanted to do a love spell. So she came in and she bought some things to do a love spell. And we, mm-hmm. of course we have the conversation. She's like, is it okay to do a love spell? And I'm like, absolutely. Why the hell wouldn't you want to do a love spell? We all mm-hmm. want more love in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, she had been told by someone else that before she could do a love spell that she needed to do a protection spell to make sure that nothing would rebound or that there wouldn't be any negative repercussion from her love spell. And I'm like... Who the fuck are you listening to? Oh, my God. You know, anyway, and so fortunately, after talking with her a little bit and kind of explaining the way that some of those things really work, she was like, oh, okay. And she did. She put the candle, the protection candle back. She's like, I guess I don't really need this. And I was like, you're right. You don't. And to be honest, the only time you ever need to buy a candle like that is if you actually feel you're under attack, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or you're anticipating that. You know, um, so no, please go do your love spell and don't be worried about these kinds of things. You know, we talk so much to people about, you know, like the power that fear can take 
from your workings as a mm-hmm. witch. If you go into any working and your first thought is, oh, I need to do a clearing. Oh, I better do a protection spell. That tells like, me that you I are I fucked that line up in my circle casting. You're so full of fear that any power that you might have raised for that spell is now gone. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. So I think it's a good conversation that we, we need to keep having this talk, unfortunately. But but yes, I think that would be a cool new shirt design. We'll do the new logo on the front on the back. We'll do the don't listen to Pinterest witches. There you go. Don't cast a protection spell to cast a protection spell. Yes, exactly. Yes, you don't need to protect yourself whilst doing a protection spell. So, anyway, that's just something that that I've seen. And I... My numbers first increased when I did a... On on TikTok, specifically. Wait, your what increased? my, My follower count. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Increased years ago when I first was on there. And I, like, went on a rant about how... You don't need to cast a fucking circle every single goddamn time. You're going to light a fucking candle. And people lost their shit. No, you're giving wrong information to baby witches. And I'm just like, well... My students seem to be doing great. Yeah. And none of them cast circles unless they feel they want to. Because that's the thing. is It's all a personal thing. If you enjoy casting a circle, if you enjoy that ceremonial aspect do it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. If you feel like you want to do a cleanse before you move into that love spell, go for it. Do those things that make you feel more empowered. Do not come from the position of, I have to do this, otherwise my spell won't work. Because mm-hmm. yep. that's insecurity and that's fear. That's insecurity and fear, and you've already made it so your spell will not work. Mm-hmm. You've already told the spirits around you, I am so caught up in perfection that even if I do cast a spell and it works somewhat, I'm still not going to believe in my own power because it's not going to be how I envisioned it. Yep. Very true. So another thing that I want, I want to encourage all of our listeners, listeners to do. Yes, we are the salty witches, but next time you do a spell, how about you leave out the salt? Well, I think we've, we've had multiple episodes now where we've gone on the anti-salt I'm not anti-salt. I'm anti-salt in everything you fucking do. Yeah. Salt has a purpose, and it's to ground and neutralize energy. Yeah. That's its job. Well, I think... I think that if you look at the associations of salt in... Excuse you. If you look at the associations of... For salt in different traditions, you're going to find... Oh, God, okay, I gotta be really careful about how I say this because I really don't want to piss anybody off. Eh, okay, whatever. Um, Salt as used by high ceremonial magicians in those kinds of practices, salt is going to be used very differently. It's Mm -hmm. going to hold a very different purpose in ritual and spell work, okay? But I will say right now, and this is where I say people are probably going to be pissed off with this, but high ceremonial magic, that's not witchcraft. No, that's high ceremonial magic. Okay. I also see salt being a huge thing with uh, traditions that originate in the UK, Gaelic and Celtic traditions, and then by extension, Wiccan traditions, Mm -hmm. who have this idea that salt is protective, when really what you're looking at there is that salt is not protective in as much as it is a grounding influence. Salt does not protect. It grounds energy which is why it can be used for protection 
because it will help to banish energy. But salt, much like other things that people often confuse and incorporate into their spell work, salt does not discriminate on the energy that it banishes or grounds. It will banish and ground anything. Mm-hmm. So, so you really do. You got to be so careful with that. You know, you see people putting salt in their things, and it's like, oh my god, like what are you doing? You put all this lovely energy and all these things into this spell, and then you threw salt in there, and it was like poof, gone. Mm-hmm. You know, like why did you do that? You just ground your spell. Why? Why? You know, you know, and then they, you get that look like I don't know what you mean. It's like like it's to protect my spell. It's like you don't need to protect your spell. Your spell would have been fine. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, but there's okay. energies. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. But on there's salt. energy we, and influences. We've we ragged on, on salt being misused enough already, I think, on this podcast. But. Just, yeah. Do you have anything me. else? Do you have anything else you'd like to discuss this evening, Austin? No, I don't think so. Yeah. There are some really cool, good books coming out lately. Yeah, actually. I mean, yeah, we've got like Frankie's kinda... book. Um, yeah, spells for change by or spells for change by Frankie and Castanea. Um, really great book. Um, anyone who is looking to just who is sick and tired of the old kind of like, oh, you want to start witchcraft? Start with Uncle Bucky's Big Blue, or here's Scott Cunningham, and then you can branch out from there. Um, I actually have a uh, I, I have a list that just continuously changes on you know level and person and stuff like that and i'm gonna say that frankie's book is like number one like so you want to be a witch here yeah 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 spells for change they did an excellent job with that book and i i definitely i I will be recommending that book to uh newer practitioners yes um and then from there i usually go into weave the liminal psychic witch Mm -hmm. crooked path um Changeling by Aiden Walker, and then you just can kind of branch out from there. The Witch Power series by Devin Hunter. But then we also have some other cool books that are coming out. Um, and it's nice that it's coming out now because we're going to have um, some ramp up around it in June because June is Pride Month here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's Satyr's Kiss by Storm Fairy Wolf. Yeah, which has actually, I think, been out for about a week now. Yeah. And I, I have not read it yet. I know that you have a copy and you're, you're yes, reading it. Yes, I have a copy here. I think I've gotten probably like two or three chapters in. Okay. And uh, you you know, based on conversation you and I have had, you know I have personal challenges around Fairy Wolf mm-hmm. as a practitioner. Um, I And in saying that, to clarify, it is not that I'm saying that I don't believe that Storm Fairy Wolf is a legitimate practitioner in which I absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the information that I've seen Storm present is always good. Always good. Um, for me, I I struggle a little bit with elements that I see in Fairy Wolf's writing because he still seems to me to be falling under a lot of the old practice of appropriation that kind of originated in the fairy tradition in its mm-hmm. formative years. He is a fairy practitioner, mm-hmm. among other things, but he is a fairy practitioner primarily. Mm-hmm. And you know, and the fairy tradition is a complicated one for me because there are elements and even practices within that tradition that are like, this was taken from this indigenous community in the Pacific Islands. Like you shouldn't be doing this. This was taken from this community and is an inherent part of this particular initiatory practice. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, you know, so I have issues there. 
Um, beyond that, I, I've yet to in this particular book, and, and admittedly, I, like, as I mentioned, I'm only a few chapters in, um, but I, I haven't really seen anything pop up in this book that has so far been new kinds of information. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <clears throat> for us, so, it's hard to find new information. Oh God, that's, that, oh my God. That sounds, you just said no, that, that, that sounds so conceited. Sounds conceited Good and God. arrogant. I get it. But <coughs> like, how many times can you sit down and read a fucking witchcraft book and it's like, and now we're going to cast a circle. And it's like, okay, we well, fucking, I don't, well, I don't understand. Books. I, if, if there's anything in the book about casting a circle, I immediately throw it away. But, <clears throat> um, because that's just not my practice. Um, but, uh, actually, and that's not true. I'll still read the book. I'll just, you know, skip that bit. But, um, anyway, so I'm, I'm not trying to trash this book. It's a lovely book and I'm sure there's really, really good information in there for people who would be newer. Um, and also I think people who are, are members of the, I was going to say LGBTQ plus community, but to be honest, based on everything that I've read so far, the book is primarily geared toward cis gay men. Okay. And I think there's even a chapter early on in the book where Stormfairy will be, he makes that very clear. Like, this book is written for anyone, but mainly for people like me. Mm-hmm. And he is a cis gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think he actually identifies as queer. Yeah. Which, you know, which is fine, because that's how I identify. But um, but he is, as as he, he claims in the book, he is a cis male mm-hmm. who is the Q in the LGBTQ plus community. Um and that's okay. That's okay. Right? I'm, I'm, in no way do I want that to sound like a criticism. You know, like people that fall in, into that community, people who identify as queer, people who are cis male, they they all need they need books too. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but again, I, I've yet to really see anything in the book that would be like, oh, this is like, this is kind of new or different. Like you know, like um, I'm sure there will be. As I read a bit more, mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be something in there. I'll be like, well, oh, this is very cool. Well, and like I said, like there are just certain things that we've experienced and done in our practice and in our time being involved in the community where it's kind of like, oh, okay. Like, it, it, it's it's rare that when we sit down and read a book and we're like, oh, that's a different perspective. It's, just, it's all just rote. Kind of. It's, <laughs> I don't want to say rote as much as it's almost like, you know, we've heard this in one way or another I, I so think, many I, times. I, yeah, I, was, I think that, that, pretty, that, that, that is a... F- that is a fair statement. I think that, um, you know, just speaking for myself, you know, I've been doing this, studying this, learning this for like, for about 30 years now. Mm-hmm. And in that time, you know, I, I've read so much, I've learned so much from many, many different sources because I'm, I'm, my personal belief is we can all, there's always more to learn, mm-hmm. always more to learn, but you are absolutely right. It's been a long time. I think since I read a book where I could actually go, Oh, oh, wow, like, this was something really new and different. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find that doesn't really happen much anymore. And that doesn't mean that the books still aren't good. Yeah. They are. They absolutely are. You know, and even as someone who maybe is familiar with that information, I sure as hell can use the reminder every now yeah. and then. You know, so in no way am I trying to say, oh, God, no, these are bad books. No, nothing like that. Um, yeah, but I, I'm I'm still kind of like I'm, I'm waiting to see on this one so far. Yeah. Mankey has a new one. Was it the Witch's Book of Spellcraft? I believe. I think so. Yes, and it's a conglomeration. Conglomeration. Uh-huh. It's Minky, yeah. 
and a couple other... I believe his wife wrote that book with him as well. Yes. And then there are a couple of others, yes. Yeah. And it's a book on spellcraft, how to craft your spells with spells and in it, as well as like, okay, so this spell does this, you can adapt it this way, do these things. So I've been wanting to get that book, and I'm excited to get that in the I think we talked previously uh, on our prior episode, Matt Aron's got a new one coming out. Yes, Mastering uh, Mastering Magic. Mastering Magic. Yeah. Which looks looks really good. Yeah, that one looks looks exciting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, what was another one that came out lately that looked really that looked quite good? I heard Laura Tempest Sakharov had something new in the works as well. Um, I haven't heard anything about Laura doing anything new. Um, I will say that uh, I know Devin is coming out with a new book. Okay. And so the last book Devin came out with was the uh, Modern Witches spellbook mm-hmm. i think yeah. or modern witch grimoire mm-hmm. um and then this next book is going to be centered all around like m- utilizing crystals in modern witchcraft hmm. okay which will be interesting i'll have to check out the book when it comes out i'm feeling feeling conflicted about that not that devin gives a shit devin doesn't know me from anybody but you know you know, you know my, my personal feeling on the crystal and stone industry and its nefarious intrusion into traditional witchcraft practice. Yes. Anyway, that's okay. Um, anyway, so but anyway, regardless, there's some very cool stuff coming mm-hmm. out, um, some good books. And we love these releases. The thing I, I can absolutely say, I, I may, over the years, I may have read a book by someone that I'm like, you know, this book really didn't do it for me. But that doesn't mean that I discount the voice. These mm-hmm. are all absolutely people, including Storm Fairy Wolf, absolutely people who know what the fuck they're talking about. They are legitimate practitioners, and they are definitely voices that you should listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike a lot of the bullshit people that are out there now spewing crap and posting cutesy things on Pinterest. Um, and TikTok. And TikTok. And Instagram. I, you know, I, I would love so much just to take a huge step away from all the social media for a while, but we... We've become we, we need it so much now as a business, mm-hmm. you know, and to continue to reach a number of the students that we now teach. Like I, you and I both have had fortunate enough, and many of them listen to this podcast. You and I have had the opportunity to connect with so many amazing people out there that we would never have had the ability to connect with without through, social media. Exactly, through social media, yeah, you know, and I and I'm very I'm very grateful for that. One of them actually would be joining us on next week's podcast episode. Um, a, a creator uh, that we connected with on social media who goes by the username Mystic Malachi. Oh, cool. Uh, I believe they will be uh, joining us from the UK. Oh, cool. And um, and they are going to be presenting some, I think, some really cool information, some very cool points on the intersection of uh, Eastern mysticism okay. and traditional witchcraft practice. I like it. Because we, we, we know there's been a lot of, for a little bit of good, but also for a whole lot of bad, mm-hmm. there's been a lot of appropriation of Eastern mystical practice and spiritual practice in uh, modern witchcraft yes. traditions, uh, more modern witchcraft traditions. And, you know, and as I, as I was saying, not all of, it's that, not all of that is bad, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we, we do need to be, uh, I think, more circumspect about how we do those things. Eclecticism and syncretism are good things to a point. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, anyway, but I'm very looking very forward to that to that that discussion because uh, they are brilliant. They know their stuff for sure, and uh, yeah, and I always think that we need to be putting those voices forward. Yeah. So anyway, I think I've been raunchy and crabby and ableist enough for one episode. Is there anything else that you would like to say, Austin? 
Not really. No. Are we on an episode? Or we, we, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. We had no odd uh, soundbite interruptions on this week's episode, fortunately. You falling behind, Mike? Uh, I'll have to figure it out next week. Uh-uh. Uh, you forgot the crickets. Oh. There you go. Yes. Pretty good. I should just have some of those just uh-uh. saved on an audio file on my phone and just bust those out at random. Like, what's that podcast that you listen to where they tell the scary stories? Sorry, sorry, where they think they're telling scary stories, but they're not oh really scary God, at all. You're such a bitch. Anyway, that's okay. You don't need to name the podcast. But I, one thing I do, like, kind of enjoy about that podcast, and when I say enjoy, I don't mean, like, I actually enjoy it. I mean, like, it's like, I see what you're doing here. Nice try. Um, but where one of them will be relating the story, mm-hmm. and then they have these sound bites that come in out of nowhere, like, <gasps> no! What?! Oh my god! It's like, yeah, that's not doing anything to build momentum. That certainly is not doing anything to instill a greater sense of drama. You Except just, for those aren't sound bites. That's just, actually just someone saying that. It's well, yeah, but I mean, that's what I mean, though. That. It's like that's someone deliberately going, oh no! Like, I'm sorry, like that. You're not dramatizing this for me anymore. Like, th- this has already been the most boring experience of my life. Like, there really isn't anything you could do at this point, short of offering to write me a check that would actually have me feeling more excited about this podcast oh episode. Mike so. just doesn't like my choice in podcasts, and it's okay. I like your choice in podcasts. I do sometimes wish you would listen to other podcasts. I don't listen to that many podcasts. That's very true. You don't. I found one that I need to today that I want to listen to um, on civil rights, particularly civil rights within the LGBTQ plus community. And I think I want to check that one out, particularly again since Pride Month is coming up here in Utah. Anyway, Pride Month here for us here is in June. Yeah. So yeah, I know I know lots of other places are already doing their Pride. But uh, anyway, all right, I'm going to shut up now. Um, short of thanking all of our listeners for <clears throat> bearing with me, I'm so sorry once again that I coughed through an episode. I am asthmatic and it is allergy season here and I, I, I apologize for all the coughing um, and throat clearing uh, but thank you so much and um, as always I will look forward to uh, being salty and, and chatty on next week's episode stay witchy